Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going for the Green, the Daily Roto Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew to project the Genesis Open at the Riviera Country Club. Quick AT&T Pebble Beach recap, though. Hit my first outright of the season. Uh, logged on to my my book Thursday morning. Was in Slack chat, and I was like, "All right, guys, feed me, feed me the outrights." And I I think I bet like ten guys deeper than one hundred and twenty five to one. Nick Taylor happened to be one of them, and uh, we'll we'll pretty much have paid for my golf betting season, which uh, it feels good. It feels good. Yeah, that's great. I know we were both like tilting last year, not being on Keith Mitchell when he came yes. through at the big price. So yeah. at, at least he got it back this year and then some great start to the outright season. And he was a guy that we were overweight the field on in DFS too, is from the projection yes. perspective. I think he's like 5% owned. I ended up about 15% on DraftKings, which was, which was good. Like good enough to have a bunch of teams that were live, but I just wasn't like, I wasn't able to, put them together I think I got to 30th in the drive the green um on Sunday at some point and then it was just like a slow bleed see like, you 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 knew to play Phil you you are you're so sharp knowing to play Phil like I and, and it felt like a, a brand thing for me to play Phil and I didn't and that it, it did really honestly bum me out to not have any part of that performance it was it was just like the ownership cap and the volatility it got me some fill. It got me a little bit of day. Um, but I did have Nick Taylor fill in the same lineup. And then I had Cantlay. So I would have needed Cantlay to kind of outscore day if I was going to do any any real damage there. And Cantlay just kind of unbuckled a little bit towards the end, as did Alex Noren. But um, I did piggyback onto Nick Taylor going into the fourth round. He was, I think, plus 180, plus 185. And Data Golf had that as plus EV. So piled on a little bit there. And then I uh, took down a, a showdown GPP. So ended up with a profitable week which was good it felt like it had been a little while it's all i mean it's just always it's always good to get it's always good to get there in golf because you just you never know you never know when it's going to come because just, the the swings this, are just so crazy this showdown gpp it was i mean i it was uh the you Saturday. won by like 20 points i won by like 20 <laughs> points i left forty five hundred dollars on the table you love to see it got like affy barnrat ceiling game after he was like plus eight going into the round it's just, I mean, showdown is, I mean, showdown golf, it, it really is the best. Like it, those are, those are, uh, those are some of the, uh, the best sweats out there, but a uh, pretty interesting tournament for a couple results. I mean, obviously I don't think you can ignore the strong round from Phil. Like this is just a guy with like 
he's historically a great golfer. So when he shows the form, I do, I do, I always think that that is um, a little bit notable. And then, uh, you know, Brian, he knew, he knew, and, and, and you played Spieth too. And let me tell you this, I will, I don't care. I'm not, I'm not playing Jordan Spieth. He won't, he won't trick me into this. Spieth was, he was so cheap last week. The field is so weak. And then the ownership was like modest, like 10 ish percent plus or minus depending on the GPP. So like the price was, it was, we talked about it on the podcast. It was legitimately the first time I think I'd played speed. In a, I mean, it was the first time, time the projections had had him as in a plus EV play. And for like, as long as, like, I think as long as you and I have been doing this podcast together, which is yeah. wild. The, and I mean, Phil, we had talked about Phil, just more about the concern with Phil and DJ, both coming back uh, from the Saudi international, but talking about their, you know, living the, the PJ life on those jets. So um yeah, another course. I, mean, Phil I, I didn't. I didn't not play Dustin because I thought he was a bad play. I just was like, because I so something he was that like I've th- really twenty five to thirty. Something I really took away, yeah, from talking to Brian was just like, just don't like, if you think that you are a break even player or whatever, uh, an immediate way to get better is just stop playing guys who are really owned because when you when you have a good week, so like some of these lineups I've been like building by hand for single entry and three max, I've been getting like 60% cumulative ownership. So when the lineup is good, it's unique and it's unique in such a way that like lineups that are like one V one to it might be losing by like 10 points. So like, and, and I've immediately seen better results just from doing that. Yeah. Which is nice. I, I think that definitely makes sense. And um, that was one of the reasons why I was frustrated with like the MME falling apart was because um, so Peter Malnati was the other guy I had there. He was 0.6% owned and he was in my best lineup. And then I had Nick Taylor at four and a half percent and Phil at eight and a half percent. And so when you get like a four and a half and eight and a half percent ceiling game, such a low percentage of the field has those two plays. So you really do have a, a realistic shot at shipping something. And you saw that with the guy who ended up winning uh, Zoltar nine, one, two, eight, two, his core was crazy last week. He was dialed in, but um, he ended up winning with a five to six lineup just because the ownership on those guys was so low. And so he shipped it with day Mickelson, Chez Reeve, Kevin Streelman, Nick Taylor. So he nailed the top four, um, with day, the highest owned guy at 14 and percent, but most were single digit owned plays. And so he was able to ship it with a five to six. And, uh, part of that is the scoring was low in the bad weather on Sunday, but part of that was just also the ownership on his guys was pretty low and the six of six percentages by the field were pretty low. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, the, the, I, that'll be the only time it happens all year. I'm sure. Like it's just, happen. it's such a freak occurrence. You think it'll I happen think it'll again happen. with the new cut rules. I think it's uh, it'll happen again. And I want to say a, a four or six lineup one, like the pressure putt, which is pretty crazy, especially in small field, single entry three max, you're going to see GPP winners of five, six, if it's, uh, contrarian leaderboard well let's uh let us all pray let us all pray that that uh continues to happen over the uh the rest of the year so moving on now to the genesis open at the riviera country club uh played every year at uh played every year at this course invitational field so only a 120 man field uh i have i guess i haven't looked at the very bottom but do we have do we have some total schlubs who actually make it even smaller uh, uh, not, not really. It's just like Martin trainer. Yeah. I mean, not, not really. I mean, like you got the Duffner, Brian Stewart types, but they're, 
PGA Tour quality golfers. Yeah, I mean, Duff, Duffner can make a cut. Like, it, it, it would not – the world would not end to me if Jason Duffner made a cut here, basically. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think, like, Siwoo Kim might be the wor- one of the worst golfers. There's, like, two or three guys who are dust. But, and, like, Siwoo is still 40% to make the cut with a really bad projection. So, most of these guys, um, especially with the 120-man field, and especially if there ends up being, like, a, a cut line that ends up being, like, tied with a bunch of people. Like, a lot of these guys are live to make the cut. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's that. Uh, one, of the, one of the 10 toughest courses on tour, and, uh, they, you know, that's generally with a super strong field. Par 71, 7,322 yards. So long course, wider than average fairways, though, which I always think is like uh, that, that's going to that's gonna make me start thinking about Luke List. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut that down because I have retired from playing Luke List. Yeah, it's above average distance. I wouldn't say it's it like it's not extremely long. So I think you can see like the full field is in play from a from like a course fit perspective. But there are definitely guys that it favors more than others. Um, and then one of the things I thought was pretty interesting is that Riviera actually has the second most predictive course history on tour after only Augusta National, and then it's also a very close comp course of Augusta National. So if you were to kind of bundle those two together, um, it, it ends up being some, like, historically, some of the more predictive course history that you see. So I always find that pretty interesting, too. We do play some events that are pretty random. Last week's one where there was decently strong random. course history. And the leaderboard ended up being very course history-centric, too. So it's interesting yeah. to move from that into this week. So uh, what, what you're telling me is that the data golf Bubba Watson projection is wrong and that you disagree with it? Um, I do disagree with it, but I mean, they have baked in course fit and course history, like to the extent that they feel it matters. Uh, their baseline above Bubba is just really, really low. Like, I think their baseline above Bubba right now is close to like Bud Colley, like co-crack levels. So even with a substantial bump up, they, they obviously don't have them rated very high. Sounds like a sounds like a guy that I will uh, will definitely be jumping to uh, to play this week. So uh, I guess we should talk about some guys with uh, with course history. Here. Is is KJ Choi in the field, or is he is he finally given up the ghost? Oh, I have no idea. I I don't go scrolling that deep down the leaderboard, Davis. You know. I mean, I mean, KJ Choi is it? Wasn't it like the thing that like okay, he's he's not either either he's not in our projections or he's not playing. But wasn't it the thing that like um he made the cut here like 14 straight years or something crazy. And that was like, that was like a big course history argument for a long time. The, the course history truthers loved that one. I, I gotta be honest. I don't have the answer for that, but some of the guys in this field that do have strong course history adjustments, um, these are all in strokes per round adjustments from data golf. JB Holmes got a 0.36 stroke adjustment DJ plus 0.24 Watson plus 0.18, Adam Scott plus 0.13, all are among those that have received kind of outsized course history adjustments. And then from like the course fit perspective, driving accuracy, as you mentioned, it's almost irrelevant. It definitely is something that matters a lot less here than it does at the traditional course and approaching around the green is kind of overweighted from a course fit perspective. So um, if you wanted to bundle in like Augusta course history bumps, if you believe strongly in that comp, then I think you'd be layering Phil, Spieth, Justin Rose into that mix, and then potentially Tiger. Tiger's a weird one, though, because he's obviously done so well at Augusta. He's played this event a ton of times and has performed below average. So 
Uh, maybe there's not something there, but it, it feels like it should set up for him, but it just hasn't like it hasn't come together and it's been a long time. Yeah, uh, I I will be uh, I will be TTPing with Tiger Woods this week. The the Daddy Golf projections not super high on him. So digging into the golfers by price range, Rory most expensive, John Rahm next, Justin Thomas eleven thousand, Tiger ten point four, Dustin ten k flat. Uh, I will. I mean, seeing this ownership projection on Rory makes me not want to play him in single entry in three max, but. Uh, Man, I don't know. Rory Rory with uh, 11% win equity per data golf does make me think like uh, maybe maybe just go ahead and play the number one golfer in the world here. It was pretty surprising win equity considering the strength of the field. Um, my I, I, lean... I would say they might be overestimating it a hair, and this is from Rory's biggest fanboy in the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my lean when I opened things up was potentially to build more balanced this week um, mm-hmm. just because of – the overall talent in the field it, it'll depend a bit if that's like consensus build then maybe i want to take some stands up top you know rory above 20 percent in this field at that price not quite as interesting as if he was like 10 to 15 percent. so i want to see how things shake up as the week moves on there uh, i think it's pretty clear he's the number one in the field um for me the decision is a bit closer between jt and rom and i always feel like i trust jt more but like the temperament stuff is one thing, but also just feel like he has more balance to his game as far as like approach and Rom is a little more like driver centric and, you know, they're both putters that can go up and down, but um, I don't know that the projections I have even regressing for Vegas, like Rom a bit more, but my gut likes JT a tiny bit more than Rom. I think, I think that that is, uh, you know, I think that that's probably fair tiger. I just think, uh, with like how bad this projection is. Uh, if, I, if I'm going to be jamming in bad projections, I'd rather jam in the bad projection on Bubba, who uh, at least uh, just you know owns this golf course, basically. Yeah, so I've, I've got Tiger fifth in the field in this, the stuff that I use, and um, that basically takes the data golf projection, regresses it for a couple things, including ownership and um, also betting market odds. And so I've got Tiger fifth in the field at 10% ownership. That's going to end up being an interesting flight for me in tournaments because I've got him like half a point behind DJ in projection. I've got DJ like twice as owned. So um, probably not the guy I would still look to in a single entry, smaller field, but in the more lottery style tournaments, then I think I would end up wanting a little bit of exposure to Tiger, even though I agree with you that optically he's overpriced. Uh, so do like what what's wrong with Dustin Johnson? Like, is he just what, like, what, what's the deal? What, what is your take on what is wrong with him right now? Well, he had the knee injury last year and towards the end of the year. And I think that is kind of what derailed like a lot of his data. Like if you just look at everything through the, the end of 2019, basically, I think that is basically what you're seeing there. And if you were to like clip that out, you're just looking at the start of this year, you know, a top 10 at the TOC, which is, it's fine. That's like a 20th in a normal event. Second in Saudi in that kind of weak field, which is, I mean, it's fine. It's not, it's not demoralizing. And he was in contention, like maybe not right in the thick of things because Nick Taylor was pretty far ahead and Phil, there was like a big gap in that leaderboard at Pebble Beach, but he was inside the top 10 and it just kind of fell apart on Sunday. They were going out in the worst weather of the day. It's a pro-am like 
I could see, you know, hitting a bad shot, making a double, and then just kind of like mentally not feeling engaged in the tournament. So I don't know. I'm not quite as like demoralized by the finish last week. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not demoralized by that finish last week. I think I'm just more overall, like, Dustin Johnson was the best player in the world yeah, for a while. And now, well, not not even on the way out, but just, like, he was the best of the best. And now there's no real way to say, like, oh, he's for sure better than Brooks and Cantlay. You know, like, it's just, like, he is he's in there with those guys. And, yeah, I just did slip in Cantlay with those guys, despite the fact that he's not yet won a major because – that's that's what we do here on uh, on this uh, on this podcast. So, what are what are your thoughts on what to do with Bubba Watson? I, I don't think like I I will be playing him in three max. I I don't really care. Like I mean, if he gets to be like twenty eight percent peon, maybe not. But but right now, I I would like to play him. The the ownership model when I spit it out, it had like him at thirty five percent. I'm sure was it was like, just like slam dunk. I was like, no chance is he 35% because he's overpriced. He like, he's carrying a very premium price. Um, I've got him 14th in the field. Data golf's going to 20th in the field regressing for Vegas. I've got him 14th. That puts him in play a little bit more, but until you toss that 20, 25% ownership on there, I'm not sure if people will click it in, but like his start to the year is so fresh in people's minds. And then the course history with like, three wins in the previous six years I don't know it's, it's obvious why it's a talking point on every podcast I guess what I'm struggling to understand is are people actually gonna play him or is it just a talking point are they just gonna talk about it the price is I mean it's a tough price like it's a like normally these course history plays you can play them and you can play them at like uh, eighty three hundred. You don't. You don't have to play. You don't have to. You don't have to. Um, you know, spend more on Bubba than you would for Brooks, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you and so I. I think it'll be pretty interesting. I'm. I'm going to be off of him, especially in MME, just because he has to do a lot at that price. And uh, I mean, he, I, he's got a T ten, right? Basically. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and you would want more because there are guys who are definitely live to win, like <laughs> right there. So I think I'm off of it. Um, I honestly think he's going to be very low owned the higher up in stakes you go. Just, the model is going to spit out 20%. People are going to talk about Bubba all week. I'm going to have to manually control for it. Maybe he'll end up higher than that, but my gut says he's not going to be that owned. And right. My gut says at high stakes, he's like 5%. I that I mean certainly that would be uh I think that that I think that that's kind of uh an interesting way to uh to play things you know if you were thinking like oh I want to play him this week maybe maybe buy an entry in the click the club pro or something instead of to be clear I'm of, not playing Bubba in the club pro <laughs> yeah right right but it, it is interesting um Brooks Hideki Xander all here um I I'll I'll probably just play Xander in all my entries, like all my entries that I do by hand, I will, I will probably just play Xander. Yeah. I like Xander. Um, I mean, I, I think he's behind DJ and Tiger for me, but the, it is a huge drop in price and he could be the starting point on a balanced roster and you could get low ownership on that roster too, just because so many of these guys, I think it is a range where you can pretty comfortably just play whoever you like best because in that $9,000 range, like we're talking Xander, Hideki, Cantlay, Scott, Kepka. Tony Finau, and then Bubba. And all those guys right now I have between 15 and 20% ownership. 
And with like the RSQs, like those guys could easily flip which one's, you know, 16 versus 18. Like it, so I'm not going to really let ownership sway me unless things become very clear. And so to me, uh, it's Xander and then it's Hideki and then it's Cantlay. Um, I'm lower on Scott kind of out of that, that four, you know, person quadrant or whatever. And Kepka is the big enigma for me. Yeah, I, I am, uh, uh, I probably just won't play Brooks. I think, I don't, I mean, it is, it is a good price, but, uh, is, is homeboy even going to try? Does he even care? You know, <laughs> what's, what's the use? I mean, isn't it pretty wild that you're talking about like a $9,400 Brooks Kepka and yeah. I don't think he's going to carry uh, an egregious amount of ownership, but that's another one of the reasons I just don't, I think there's enough people who would rather play a Kepka than, than Bubba. So I, I just don't. For sure. Like Bubba's going to end up wherever. So some other guys who I think are, I mean, Adam Scott, obviously at, at 9,000, he's going to be a favorite of the opto. Not a, not a ton of values here in the, in the uh, 8k range. In fact, the, uh, the optimizer thinks that Jason Day, Leishman, Spieth, and Phil are, uh, are all uh, kind of overpriced, which, uh, which is going to, I think, going to lead to, you know, Reed, Rose, uh, Morikawa, and Sungjae picking up some ownership. Yeah, I could see that. Um, Reed, I feel like, almost is in a different price tier. Like, I'm not sure Reed will end up owned. Uh, so between Reed and Justin Rose, I think it's I think it's pretty clear that Justin Rose would be higher owned, and Reed almost bleeds into the nine K range. But I definitely agree. Like you always see ownership funnel to the eight K range because they can they can tack on to any build type possible, right? Uh, whether it's balanced as like your third or fourth guy, or whether it's a, a star heavy lineup. Um, so I, I definitely think that Sungjae and Morikawa will end up as decently high owned. These are pretty, it's a solid range for value too. I mean, you have Paul Casey there as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Casey is, uh, he's always a guy that uh, the uh, the projections like a little bit more than I do. So what are you uh, going to do with Spieth this week? You're, you're going to totally be off Spieth? I'm, I'm not playing Spieth, dude. What am, course, I'm playing Spieth. I'm, pl- I'm playing Spieth at a 7,300-yard course after I just didn't play him on a 6,800-yard course. It is a course that doesn't penalize driving accuracy and is around the green and approach centric. So, and it parallels Augusta, which, you know, Jordan. If, if I, if I want to play a bad, uh, if I want to play a bad neurotic golfer, I can just play, I can just play Bryson. (laughs) I'll I'll take a, we'll book a bet. I'll take speed. You get Bryson this week, head to head. Yep. Booked for 25. (laughs) Love it. I mean, you know, you know, the, the WGC Mexico is coming up. So Bryson is, he's just getting his game in form. So only, only yeah, for Mexico, he's got the altitude <laughs> adjustment styled in. He's been working on it all last year. He heard he was touted on a podcast and he, he didn't deliver. He's ready. I mean, you know, Bryson, he, he's, just, he's not going to want to take an L. He's going to be ready to go. So um, serious commentary about speed. He did finish the two measured rounds at Pebble. He finished first in the field in strokes game TD Green last week. So some signs of encouragement there um, has done okay here before it is a comp for Augusta which is a positive um he's 8400 so it's a little more expensive but he's not egregiously priced uh, I've got him ranked 23rd in the field so I actually have him ranked like right next to Bryson which is why I think it's a fair head-to-head for us to gamble on so I would boost him like three points in our projections kind of see where things run I'm just I don't know if people are going to jump on speed because like 
a lot of times players that have played at this caliber before, people are looking for any reason to jump back on. I don't know if that's going to happen with Spieth or if there's enough, enough like Vitrol built up that people will stay off another week. That's going to end up swinging my decision if I have any exposure. I think that I think that that is uh I think that that's mostly fair. Uh, do you do you like any of these young guys? Uh, Answer Morikawa, Sungjae. Do you think any of those guys are are like particularly good plays this week? Um, it's I guess I like Morikawa and Sungjae a little bit better than Answer, and I think they're going to be similar enough ownership that that's not that's not really going to sway me. So I guess I would lean on one of those two if I had to pick. And it's just such, it's a price point where it's so common and easy to build through it that it's hard to imagine me not having some exposure there. Um, I guess if I had to choose one guy, maybe it would be Morikawa just because his ball striking has been so good. I think he's first in the entire field over the last 50 rounds in approach, top five in T to green play in general. Some of that is swing season, like laugh out loud, you know, but still. Right. That would be the tiebreaker. Yeah. So I'm super, I'm obviously super excited to play uh, single digit owned uh, Bryson here, but the, the 7k range again is going to have uh, a bunch of guys that people like to play. Let me tell you this though. I, I played Matthew Fitzpatrick and one and done last week. I mean, just, just never again with this guy. Like I, I, <laughs> I really detest watching Matthew Fitzpatrick play golf. Uh, Kuchar is rather cheap and uh, the projections do not like him uh, really at all. And, uh, the return of California hero, Chucky three sticks, uh, single digit ownership percentage. Uh, I, I really like Howell this week. Yeah. So, I mean, Fitzpatrick, he, I think is going to end up as like a contrarian player, which is a, a guy that I usually get overweight on in MMA. If he's like 5% owned, he's a direct pivot off of all those names that we talked about. And I think some of the people do have a sour taste in their mouth after last week. He was I wonder in contention, why. though. I mean, he, he was 79. He right? was. He was in contention. He was top 20 going into – I'm not in contention, but he was top 20 going into the final day, dropped 40 spots with the, the, the Sunday 79. But the weather was dicey there. It was easy to get unraveled a little bit, and I got to have a short memory. Um, I think he's a little bit overpriced, so single entry, I would probably take a pass. I, I like Scotty Scheffler. I like Charles Howell. Both those guys are reasonable. And it's another reason I, I feel like I'm going balanced roster build for like single entry this week is just the overall quality of your lineup can be really strong. Like you could almost get a seats three is like the, the last guy in on your lineup or, or a Neiman right. is the last guy in on your lineup. Yeah. I mean, you could build, you could build with just guys we've talked about in the last five minutes and have like good unique teams with guys who all have good, like T20 odds. Yeah. Um, any other guys down here you really like, uh, I mean, I'm not going to play Ryan Palmer. Maybe, maybe a little, maybe a little bit. Uh, I think the projections maybe are a little bit light on RCB. Like he just, I don't know. RC, he's a good golfer. 7,300 is cheap for him. That dude's yeah. good. That dude is just good at professional golf. He, I mean, he usually is. Missed the cut last week. I was pretty tilting. I, I had yeah. a decent amount of him last week. Um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely I'm higher on like JB Holmes than the projections are, but he's still. It feels like it's a tough price with the caliber of player that is priced right near him. I'm lower than the projections on like Kokrak, but again, he's still like 7,100. Like I feel like I'm going to end up with exposure to him, but maybe I would avoid that in like a single entry or three max. I actually like Brian Palmer a little bit. Um, 
But like you said, he, he would be like a pick after Scheffler or CH3. I, I think Palmer is going to end up like 5% owned or whatever. And so I, I like to yeah. get over the field on those plays. Uh. Do you have an explanation for why Norin and Neiman are showing up so high in the ownership projections right now? Because I'll, I'll I'll just say I just I, I'm zero percent to play anyone in this range projected for over ten percent ownership. Well, I mean Norin had a, a decent showing last week. He last was on week. that that yeah. team too. I mean he yeah. ended up inside the top thirty-five, so not an exceptional showing, but it was a decent one. And then Neiman, I mean people are just always going to chase T to green models, weighted stat models. And at Fantasy National, he's like 14th in the field in T to green, 16th in DK points. A lot of people obviously use that software and that product and um, for their own stat models, and he's going to pop in everything there. So uh, he's a guy that can be very volatile, and I, that's definitely the, the type of player that I think in a three max I'd be looking to take a fade stance on. Yeah. Uh, Kokrak, another guy. I probably don't have it in me to fade Kokrak in, uh, in those formats though. Cause I just, I, I love that guy. Uh, but he's another guy who is projected super high on very, very funny to see, uh, Matt Wolf down at 7,100. He's, uh, he's kind of starting to return to, uh, a, a more realistic price tag and, and form for what people expected from him coming out of college. And then, Chesco Molinari, negative seven value at 7K. You hate to see it. You really <laughs> Isn't do. Isn't that crazy? Uh, I mean, it, it is very, I mean, we're, t- we're talking like this guy. Him, yeah. like, he, he's like Furyk. He's priced like Furyk in the betting markets. We're talking about a dude who like dominated professional golf like a year ago. And he's just, <laughs> guy's just dust now. Guy, guy, guy's Jason Duffner now. Golf's, golf's wild, man. It's so it, crazy. I mean, it, things can turn so fast. Yeah. Which uh, is like a pretty big argument for waiting recent form in your play more. I, I, I really, that's like one of the, the big things that I, I believe is true about pro golf is like recent form matters a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a really hard one to tease out. And with most people are doing modeling, like they're going to, they want one model that they can run and update. It can, it can contain hundreds of stats or data points or whatever, but they want to refresh one model that accounts for every player. And Mm -hmm. I agree. Like that's probably not true. There are probably guys that are like more form players. There are probably some guys that are more like course split players and you want to treat them individually. Like you'd want to treat younger guys who are progressing through their career differently than older guys on the twilight. But, um, yeah, so I, I mean, I think there's something there. It's just like so hard to tease out. So I understand why you wouldn't build a model that way or it might not make a lot of sense. Uh, but that's, I think, what makes it so fun. Uh, I do feel like we, we have to talk about Carlos Ortiz this week because a lot of our subscribers, if you just open up the optimizer, you run projections, you are going to get a shitload of Carlos Ortiz. Um, I am going to regress him to the betting markets a little bit. So that is going to put him near Max Homa. For me, he's I, still. I think I think you just you just ownership cap him right at at like twenty five hundred. Well, you don't just want to do that because otherwise he ends up because then he'll only the be in lineups. the top lineups. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. So I I think I've got him like closer to yeah closer to. Well, Max you can Homa. just make his. You can just use the. You could just make his individual volatility like fifty, right? <laughs> you could, but sometimes that that gives you really high projections too. So uh, he has done well here too. Top 10 last year, his first two starts, he finished 20th and 26th. 
And yeah, I, I, be, I bet him to win this tournament. To, like this year or last year? No, this year. Okay. What, whatever what number, whatever number, whatever number he's at, Data Golf was like, this is the most plus EV bet you could ever make. <laughs> yeah, yeah they've, they've gotten 33rd in the field. I'm, I'm not that high, so I wanted to discuss an adjustment. Um, I will have him closer to those guys, Homa, Knox, Matthew Wolf, closer to that range of players. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm. I'm not really. I'm not really sure either. So some other cheap guys who uh, I like for uh, single entry three max. Corey Connors, uh, I think is uh, is mm-hmm. legit. Lanto, I think it. Like I just. I think Lanto is just like a good golfer. Like he just. He, he hasn't won yet, so he doesn't get quite as much pub. But he just seems like a like a pretty good player. And. Uh, I'll probably play my boy Denny McPutts on one team, but uh, he is like the worst course fit ever. He's got, he's just uh, the guy, the guy can only putt. That's all he does. So Lanta did win the the Houston open. Um, Oh, who knew? I guess you knew. But the thing about Lanto that I can't figure it out, and it's another, who knows? It's just a, a qualitative thing to layer on top of things, but it, it seems like he shows up and like smashes against bad <laughs> fields but then as soon as he's like paired with these name brand players in good fields he misses the cut and i, I don't know if that's just like the blip on the radar i but... bet i bet philly has some thoughts on this if oh, uh, yeah. if, we, if we let him on the podcast but he came, I mean, he came on from like the, the web tour corn fairy tour and he was smashing there and then he's absolutely roasted swing season and then he's done well to start the year but for the most part like those were weaker fields um, so I don't know. Are you going to get an upside round out of him? Uh, is upside round for him now like 30th or is right. he actually alive to contend? I don't think he can contend in this field. No, he probably can't. I mean, the, the winner is the winner is so likely to be, um, like, you know, one of the 10 most expensive guys in the field that like maybe, but, but like, you know, from Scott Stallings or Adam Shank, you, you just, you just need like a T28. Yeah, I agree. So especially like in three max, you might just need to make cut. Right. Right. Uh, one and done. What do you think? That's pretty big prize pool, right? Isn't it huge, like huge, mil? And, and a, a million to second. Yeah. A million to second. So, and it's, it's a strong field. So, I mean, it's a tier behind the majors and what's the players first place prize. It's probably, it's players is bigger players like two and a half million yeah but it but it's like comparable um so yeah. i mean i think you're looking to use like a top 15 golf in the world uh yeah i that? mean i think that i think that uh i like jt and xander i think those are those are the two guys that i am thinking about right now yeah um i like that so yeah the players i just checked i don't know what it is this year but last year rory won 2.2 million so this is not that far behind the players from like a purse perspective and so i I think it's bigger than some of the wgc's where last year wgc mexico was 1.7 um and so yeah you're getting a big prize pool spread out to a smaller number of entrants because of the invitational so I, i do think using one of the top end players i guess jt would be one of them i think you could consider using rory because other people might save him for a bigger event for for a major yeah uh i think another another really interesting thing obviously bubba's gonna be the chalk right yes yeah i think i think you could play dustin 
because he just like he's just coming off this horrible televised round. And if you think like whatever, I don't buy it. Dustin's still good. Man, Dustin's a good are, course fit. Do you think? I, th- I think Dustin's going to be used. That's that's one of the appeal to me of like Brom, JT, or Rory is I think Dustin will be more used there. And it's kind of a coin flip, like which one of them wins the event. I don't think Dustin will be popular here. Dude, his, I, I think I, he seems unlikely. Here, nine, 16, one, four, two, two, miscut. I mean, four, sir, he, he will be owned by more than 100 people in like the Gups corner pool or whatever, but he won't be owned by more than 200. Yeah, okay. That's That seems about right. I feel so maybe dumb. Rom. Maybe Rom's the guy. I feel so dumb for taking Hideki at the waste management. It's like one of the dumbest things I've I've done in gambling. It was just like, what? Uh, great, what, great. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tie with 530 of my closest friends. Like it was it was so stupid. So I'm very much trying to avoid uh, avoid the chalk guys in this from now on. So I don't remember if you touted Nick Taylor on the pod last week, but if you bet 151 didn't, guy and, and didn't tout him, the people. People are upset, and they want they want to know which of the 150 to one long shots in the field this week that you feel like are are viable. <laughs> so, long shots I think at this tournament are probably like worse bets than normal. Like at like because the the field is so strong and it's so likely to be won by someone up top that like I think like a, a 125 to one or whatever is probably like a little bit worse here than than normal, but. That did not stop me from betting Carlos Ortiz, uh, Sebastian Munoz, and uh, Cameron Tringali, all at uh, in between uh, 150 to one to Tringali is 300 to one. Okay. So those are those are the guys because I mean once once you hit 150 to one winner on the year, you you need to spend the rest of the year betting guys uh, deeper than that to uh, to you know just keep chasing the dragon basically. <laughs> And then to, I'll throw a couple other n- names in there. Uh, one of them is site specific. So Rory Sabatini is 251 on DK Sportsbook. He's only 191 on FanDuel. So he is a plus EV bet on DK Sportsbook per the betting tools that we've got. And then mid-tier guys, both on DK Sportsbook as well. They're, they're priced shorter. Basically, most sites have them 28 and 40 to 1, which is where Data Golf has them. But on DK, you can get Adam Scott at 35 to 1 and Patrick Reed at 55 to 1. So those are some nice prices. And I mean, I think we would both feel more comfortable, at least with the, like the ability of Reed or Scott to close out in a big field. Yeah. Uh, I, if, are my amongst, am I amongst friends? Can I speak? Can I speak frankly here? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I bet on Bubba Watson to win this golf tournament also. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> How how bad of a price did you get? Oh, horror! I mean, whatever price. I'm. I think it was twenty eight, but yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's a horrible price. Just like whatever. Like you could you could be at the most generous sports book in the world that like regularly runs like no hold markets or whatever, and it would still be a, a terrible price. <laughs> like, like it just it's it's just miserable. You could have you could have made the decision to bet Brooks Kepka at twenty six to one, but you actively bet Bubba Watson at twenty eight to one instead. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna count those checks when he wins this golf tournament. well it's just like the money that money was sitting in my account you know and it's like it's i gotta i gotta reinvest it dude pump it back into the (laughs) ecosystem all right everyone that's gonna do it for us here at the daily roto going for the green daily fantasy golf podcast and uh we will uh we'll be back with uh bubba watson again winning at the uh genesis open at the riviera golf club
Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital360. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.